<laughs> Even though it won't be. Interesting, oh, no. interesting thoughts. No, it's okay. I'm glad I remembered now. Okay. So this is, this is the source. What does this mean? Um, the simple meaning, maybe just before we, uh, before we get too deep into the words, there, here's one of the examples of a misattribution. Okay. There's a Gemara in Hulin that says, Ein adam nokef etzba We'll talk about this a little bit more deeply farther on. A person can, doesn't lift a digit, presumably a finger. That's how I've always heard. A person doesn't lift a finger below. Unless it is decreed for him from above. As it says, from God, from God are man's footsteps planned. Now, it is possible, I don't know how the word etzba is used in the Gemara. And sometimes words change a little bit how they're used, even from Chumash to Mishnah to Gemara. I'm not sure how the word etzba is used in Gemara. In modern Hebrew, etzba could be a toe or a finger. Um, so it's possible that it's actually that a person doesn't move his toe down below mm-hmm. without being decreed above, because it's, it, the reference, the source for this is being referred to as Mesha Mitzadeget, which is footsteps. Could it be both? It's certainly both. I mean, it doesn't mean only one or right. the other. It just means even the tiniest movement below, unless it is decreed from on high. Whatever happens to a person has already been decreed from on high. That's, I think, the most obvious meaning of this bracha. When I take steps, I'm recognizing that where I take my steps to is really decreed on high. The fact that I can take steps and what direction they take me, where I end up with my steps, all of this is from God. There is, the Chafetz Chaim said, when a person takes steps, you know what this bracha tells you? It tells you that every time you take a step, you could think that step, that was hashkacha pratis. That was God watching over me and moving me and guiding me in the direction I need to go. So you could have moments of sudden inspiration where you'll remember that, or you could pick a spot. So you could think, you know, when I take a step back, at the very beginning, when I'm going to start Shemona Esther, I'm going to take three steps back. Let me see if I could remember somewhere in those steps that each footstep is really hashkacha pratis. It's a sign that God is, it's a reminder that God is watching over me and cares about every step that I take. That, that's a reminder. I think there's also a potential avoda here. This is, you know, going into Rosh Hashanah, like some kind of way that we think a little bit more, which is, could I take one step that way? Could I see if I could just take one step thinking I'm taking this step only for the purpose of whatever it is, to go and make dinner for my children, whatever it is, but to think about one step. Could I take one step with complete intention of the direction I'm going? I think it's like a worthwhile exercise. It's good when your day is not We're going so well running. and then you're yeah, like, okay, yeah. it's... And then to remember, it's all guided by God well, anyway. Well, no, not that, that, but just <laughs> making dinner. Oh, thank God I'm making dinner. You know, like, that's that, that step. And we so. forget. Yeah. Okay. Now, the, the gra, the Vilna Gon on Mishle, um, where the verse says, What does a person know about his path that he goes on? So the way he explains it is, you know what? You don't have to worry about success. 
that's not really in your hands. So the only thing you need to focus on is, what way should I go? What does a person know about his path? Really only that there's a path for him. So what our focus needs to be is on what path should I be taking? What's the right way to go in a situation? And not to be worried about where that path takes me so much, because may Hashem God, God plans where the path goes. As long as I'm trying to take the right path, then habala tahir messiah so. One who, one who comes to be purified is helped from heaven. So you, you're trying to go in the right way, then God will help you go in the right way. So you don't have to worry too much about the definitions of success. Definitions of success, I don't want to take too many tangents today because we have like an outline I want to cover. But it's worth knowing that um, there is a pernicious and pervasive philosophy that if you grow up in America is almost impossible to avoid ingesting but it's actually not Jewish. It's pure, well, that's not surprising because it's American, but it's really very much Puritan. It's part of the Protestant belief, which is the belief that um, material blessing is a sign of God's favor mm -hmm. and lack of material blessing is a sign of God's disfavor. So the way that would play out, let's say in New England, kind of in the early years, you know, would be um, if a person had a lot of children, especially sons, then it's a sign of God's favor. If you're financially successful, they would see that as a sign of God's favor. And that, that persists today in the belief, it's like not even realized that underneath this belief that if somebody is famous or successful, they must be good. That, that's good. Like that by itself is a sign of goodness, but it isn't. Of course, it's like sort of obvious when you think about it that it's not, it doesn't go that way at all. That person is given tools and they're given situations and that's what they grapple with and that's how they're going to grow and develop. But reward for <laughs> the rewards in life are not in this world. So you can't gauge by what's going on with a person's success in this world, whether they're a successful person, whether they're successful in their Avodah Hashem. They're not connected. It's just worth like remembering that. That's not a Jewish idea. Okay. Let's go through word by word now. Hamechin. Ha. The one who, God is the one who, mechin. So I'd say mechin, I see the word mechin, I think prepares. Okay. Um, I put a little list of some other words, uh, not all of them, on this page. Actually, I left out an important one, which is konin, which is an arrow. Um, ken, which we think of as yes, but it means it is so. That's how it is. Like Vayihichen, God was creating the world, and he said, let the grass develop this way, Vayihichen, and it was so. Um, a, a cane is also a support, a pillar. It's a pedestal. So you could put a vase or something, you know, beautiful. Some of the kalim, the, the kior in the base of Mikdash had a cane, which is like a, a stem or a base that it stood upon. Mechune means something that is referred to as, and then maybe more, familiar to us is kavana, based on the word kivun. Kivun is a direction. Kavana is focusing your thoughts in a certain direction. So that's having an intention and paying attention. All right. So Rav Hirsch, there's, I actually found several different places where Rav Hirsch gives translations for Mechim. So little by little, you start to see how they fit together. In Tehillim, he says, Hechim is to set fast, to prepare for a purpose 
which seems like two different definitions. So set fast being more like the cane that's a pedestal to prepare for a purpose, like hachana, preparation. But you can kind of see how if you prepare something for its purpose, you are setting it up to be well-established. Rather than just plopping it down, you're preparing a place for it. And then when you place it where it belongs, it's more steady. So they're connected. Elsewhere, Rav Hirsch says, it's, um, it's like the word, OK, so a konan is, a, is an arrow. Konanu, which is also a phrase I hope we'll get to in Tehillim. Um, May the pleasantness of God be upon us. May the work of our hands be established upon us. And may the work of our hands be established by God. So this, this established, he says, konan is like an arrow in that it's given its direction. The whole point of an arrow is that you have to aim it correctly. There's the force that goes into it, but there's also the aim. So the idea here, lehachin, is to get something poised so that it's aiming in the right direction, so that when it moves, it will get to where it needs to go. And similarly for ourselves, we need to, there's an avoda to aligning our desires with God's will. And in doing so, we aim ourselves in the right direction so that no matter how far our steps may or may not manage to go, we're aiming in the right direction. So we'll get to the right place. Wherever it is we're going to get to, that we don't know, but the, the aim is correct. And then there's his perish on Vayichain, which is very, very interesting. Okay? So the Torah says, let's see, for example, I mean, he, it's, it's quite a few places at the beginning of Gracious. Right? Vayas elokimes harakia. Hashem made the firmament. And Hashem separated between the waters that were below the rakia and the waters that were above the rakia. And it was so. Which, if you never put your attention to it, is just there. And as soon as you notice it, you're like, why did the Torah tell me that? Couldn't you have just stopped with what God did? What did the Vayichichim tell you? It's telling you something. It was so. So, so here's what Rav says. And so it became. It became thus as God willed it. Meaning there's a process. There's God's will and there's creation. And then there's the establishing of it in the world. And that's expressed in Vayichichim. So maybe I'll use this one. I'm not going to review the whole concept of this. <clears throat> but we have this idea that the Beis HaMikdash itself has four major sections. Um, these correspond, they parallel the four levels of the world, Hashem's bracha, Hashem's creative will coming into the world, and at each level of the world, changing, forming, until it becomes the world that we know, which is the world of Asiya at the bottom. The world of Asiya means that which is done. Okay, that's where ma'aseh, our actions, take place, down in this lower world. There are higher worlds as well that we can interact with even if we can't really sense them from where we are, but we nonetheless can interact with them. 
In other words, there's a process of coming from God's will and God's creation, and through the material being created, the matter, the material being formed, that's Yetzira, and finally, it's done. It's gelled. It's there in this world, and that is expressed in Vayichain. It was so. You can kind of see a connection when you think of it that way between the idea of the cane as a pedestal and cane as it is so. Why is that? Because this may or may not, we may or may not get to this idea, but regel, a foot. The idea of a foot is that which can carry us through the physical world. Okay. Yaakov saw in his dream at Harabias a ladder and its feet were on the ground and its head was in the sky. And there's in the Shemaim. And there's you can read that Pasuk that what Yaakov saw was a ladder and his feet were on the ground and his head was in Shemaim. Meaning Yaakov understands in this dream that he is the ladder. The feet are on the ground, the feet are in this world. The head reaches all the way up to Shemaim. The feet carry us through this world, but the purpose isn't this world, right? It's what allows us, we stand on this world, but our head reaches another world. We can bridge this space. Okay, so if you picture the pillar, and we say, oh, vayichain means there's an establishment. Something has been, it is so in this lower world, but it's a pedestal. It's something upon which we build in order to be able to be established in a higher world. That's the idea, really, of Cain, of a pedestal. You give something a firm basis below, and it allows you to set it up high. That's what it does. All right. So it became, just as we see it now, at God's behest. At God's command, accordingly, did it become so. These are a few different places. He says, Cain refers specifically when the Torah says, it was so, it means it's so in the present condition of things we see before our eyes. It's so for us now. There are a few places where the Torah doesn't say it is so, like God created light. It doesn't say, and it was so. It doesn't say that. Why? Because then he took the light and hid it away. So the creation, as we perceive it with our eyes today, is not that creation of light that is described in the Torah originally. So it doesn't say, because it didn't get established into this world in such a way that we see it now. We will see it someday, I don't know. Maybe then it'll be called Vayichain, right? But not now. Sorry, where does it say it? Vayichain? Yeah. It says it with the rakia. It says it with the grass and the trees. Olive Tess here. It says it with the gathering of the waters so that the dry land could be seen. I may have missed some. It does not say it with the animals and creatures and birds. Now, Rav Hirsch doesn't say it explicitly, but I think what he's doing is indicating the fact that there are things that were created that no longer exist, yeah, and therefore it's not by Hichain. It's, it's not by Yichain that in every generation you could read the Torah and say by and be describing that which is so now. 
Therefore, it doesn't say Vayichain. Vayichain means whenever you're reading it, it is so. It is present in your reality and visible to your eyes. So no matter what, that light, everything is, I mean, the, the water separating and that yeah. kind of thing is always the same. Yeah. But, like, animals and things could be... It seems like that's, yeah, like right. if they come and go and therefore it doesn't say. That seems to be... I'll read to you what he said. At the creation of the inhabitants of the water and the air, we do not find the Vayichain as at the other creations. This may be a confirmation of the correctness of the way we took the cane to refer to the present condition of things which we see before our eyes. And thus it became like this as we now see it. Hence, we find it said preferably at such creations which form the real habitat of men and so come primarily to his observation. He doesn't say it directly. That's why I can't say this is for sure what he's saying. But it seems like that's what he's sort of pointing to. Now, Rav Hirsch is fairly modern, right? This is like post-Darwin, <laughs> right? But you don't need Darwin. The Gemara itself says, like, things change. So the things that are changing that are not always going to be present when you're reading the Torah, then it's not there. Okay. Which means now, we can read this, this bracha when we say it. There are two different possible intentions, both of which are excellent. One is that Hashem prepares the footsteps of a person. The other is, ha-mechin mitzadegaver. Mechin. He makes it so. He makes it established and uh, secure the footsteps of a person. In other words, Hashem prepares our footsteps. He plans where they go. Hashem supports our footsteps. He keeps them from falling. And there's, there's other, um, did I put the second passage here? I did. Okay, at the bottom of this page, I put two psukim. One is the same pasuk from Tehillim above. But the second pasuk is the following one. May Hashem meets Adegever Konanu. From God are the footsteps of man emplaced. Vidarko and his way is desired. Ki yipo lo yutal. If he falls, he will not fall down. Ki Hashem so because God will support his hand. God's holding your hand, so you won't fall. That's the other meaning of Hamechin Mitzadegaver. Hashem supports the footsteps. One okay. sounds like it's before we take the step, and one sounds after. Yeah, exactly, exactly. One is one is before, and it's one's preparing. during, maybe. Right. Right. One is. And one is like when we take the step. Yeah. We'll make sure. It, yeah. It, yes, it's absolutely true. And and the reason for that is that hamechin mitzade gaver kind of bridges the space between our free will and predestination, right? If Hashem prepares the footsteps of a person, we're going to talk about this a little more, but if Hashem is planning all my footsteps, that's comforting on one hand, and on the other hand, it could be frustrating. So what's the point? Like, why am I trying if, if it's all set up for me? Then I can't change anything. I can't make it different. So how do we understand that? And so it's interesting that because of the two verses and because of the other meanings in Hamechin, you actually have both parts. One is it's predestined. Hashem plans the footsteps. And one is Hamechin Mitzadegaver. The steps that we take, this is the next word, is Mitzade, which is Hamitzadim Shel, the footsteps of. The Yud at the end makes it belonging to whatever you're going to say next, which in this case is the Gaver, the person. So the footsteps are mine. They're the person's footsteps, but God is supporting them. But what does mitzadeh mean? 
Hamitzadim shel, the footsteps of. Right, that's always true. When you put that yud at the end of a noun, it becomes possessive to the subject that follows. Okay, so that's how Rav Schwab takes it. He says the footsteps are ours. That they're our choice. So the focus on this bracha is not only Hashem's gift to us of supporting us, of making it possible for us to walk, but it's also how we're choosing to use it. That's it's. You can't escape it because of the way the pus- the the bracha is written. Okay, and then we have gaver, meaning a person. Now we have mentioned this before, because. So I'm not going to believe this. Gaver is a funny mm-hmm. word. Um, because I just came from Eretz Yeah, it's always on the bathrooms that are the best. Gvarim, <laughs> right? Because gvarim means means <laughs> so it funny. means a man, but it, it, yeah. in modern Hebrew it means a male, a male man. <laughs> not a mailman, not a davar, but a male person rather than a female person. I uh-huh. don't know that in Tanakh it has that necessary connotation, but it does in some ways. Okay, so a gever is a person, a man. Gever also means a rooster. Hmm. Now that's kind of funny because... The first bracha in Berachos HaShachar was Asher Nosan Vivina, and depending what sitter you look at the translation, Sechvi is a person with intellect, or Sechvi is a rooster. Uh, right? Mm-hmm. And we even, I think, mentioned the idea of the rooster being connected with the Malach Gavriel, Gever, mm-hmm. right? That there was the influence from Malach Gavriel that triggered the rooster crowing every day because it's a time of din. The rooster crows just before, like when the world flips from Din to Rachamim. Does that sound familiar? Anyone who was there then? Right? So that's Gvura. Gvura is associated with Din. Right? Chesed and Rachamim, Gvura and Din. So we see that there's a kind of a theme there, which we'll see what we can touch on with that. So what is Gvura? Gever. Like what? Because Gever means we're talking about a certain aspect of being human. It's not just a generic term of some sort. We're talking about a specific aspect of it. Mitzah de Gaver. Okay, so the Ramban says regarding Gvura, he actually says it on Vayigburu Hamayim, that the waters became very strong, like during the Mabul. But Gvura means Koach plus Gedula, power plus greatness. Power with greatness combined is what we call Gvura. Gvura is not just sheer strength. Sheer might, that's, that's koach. That's power. Gvura, mightiness, I don't, I don't know how to say, like what word would work best in English. Gvura is koach that's harnessed by gedula, by greatness. Okay, Revolbi on Vayigdal Moshe, based on the Rashi there, he describes Vayigdal that Moshe became greater. The greatness is the seichel. It's becoming a bardas, someone who can think, who can analyze, who can, who can understand how to use their mind. So that's the gedula, that when the mind is put together with the power, it's not just power. That's called gvura. That makes some more sense then, because Ezehu Gibor, who is mighty, Hakovesh Yitro, one who can conquer his Yetzer. Okay, who can subdue it? Now, the Yetzer, that's a power. That, that is power. I mean, the truth is, all, both Yetzers, Yetzer Tov, Yetzer Ra, 
those emotional drives and physical drives, they're what give us the power and the ability to push forward and to accomplish things. But the gibor is the person who can use his mind to conquer and direct the, the power inside of him so it becomes channeled. This is, this is reflective of what we're talking about in Rokaha Aretz al Hamaim. When we talked about Rokaha Aretz al Hamaim, where the water seeks to always overflow its boundaries, but in do, if it's allowed to do that, not only is it destructive, but it's flat. It doesn't actually build anything because it doesn't have form or shape by itself. So it's only by building boundaries and form and shape that power can be harnessed to build something that's substantive and that has height and greatness to it. So that's this idea of the gvura that is constructive. It's a limiter, but it's a constructive limiter so that you can build with the passion and build with the power. This is the gever. The Gra says there are five terms for a person. Adam, gever, ish, ben adam, and enosh. Um, gever, adam is the highest. Gever is the second highest. That's pretty cool. It's a very high level term for a person. There are five names that the Torah uses to describe a person, a human. Adam, Gever, Ish, Ben Adam, child of, of Adam, and Enosh. This is Enosh is the lowest level. Adam is the highest, which makes Gever the second. Okay. Now the Sechvi, the rooster, which can mean a person, a Gever, um, again, the word sechvi means one who has intellect, one who can gaze and see the big picture. So it's referring specifically to the capacity to use the intellect to control the taiva. Roosters always are associated with taiva, as far as I can tell. I have no, I can't point you to any source for this, but I can point you to a lot of circumstantial evidence, okay? When the, the Gemara talks about... Um, the Anche Knesset Hagadola, when they killed the Yetzirah for Avodazara, you've heard that idea. There was we can't relate to the to being drawn to Avodazara. Like you read what goes on in Navi, and you're like, they knew there was a God. They had prophets. <laughs> they had prophets. How could they possibly worship idols? What could be the appeal? So we can talk about it and we can explain about it, but we don't really get it. We don't relate to that. And the reason we don't relate to it is that around the time of the building of the Second Temple, the Anche Knesset Hagadola killed off the Yetzirah for Avodah So we just don't have it at all. But when they did that, the first thing they did was they tried to kill off the Yetzirah completely. This is as I understand it, which is not at all probably. Okay? But this is how I've heard it from like Rabbi Tatz and others. So I don't know what it was they did to daven and get rid of the Yetzirah. So the Yetzirah came flaming out of the Holy of Holies, which is an interesting place to find the Yetzirah, came flaming out of the Holy of Holies, and a few days went by, and they realized that even the chickens weren't laying eggs. Oh, right. <laughs> right? And they said, no, this is not yeah. good, because if you take away every bit of Yetzirah, then there's no physical desire that will drive any creature to even reproduce itself. So I said, okay, maybe that was overkill. Would have been nice, but the time is not ripe for that. So instead, they just killed the Yetzirah for Avodah Zarah. Now, that had also a flip negative effect, which was there's no more nevuah. There's no more prophecy. Because the, the craving for closeness to spirituality that goes along with nevuah also causes a person to deeply crave even sort of 
like the Tylenol version of spirituality, which would be Avodazara, right? Makes you feel good is just briefly. That, or is it that you always need a balance of good and evil? That's a balance. It's okay. a balance. It's the same craving. Mm -hmm. That's the message. It's the same craving. So how do you channel it? Where do you put it? What direction do you take it? Okay, do you say, yeah. I want to run and get a segula and I'm going to wear a red string on my wrist and that will solve my problems? <laughs> or do I say, what is Hashem trying to tell me? What step can I take in the right direction? Like, the, you know, I can try and take a Tylenol, but then I've totally avoided the possibility of hearing what he's telling me. And by the way, red string's a really bad example because nobody I know can figure out what source in Judaism there might be for a red string, but that's a different issue. Okay, I mean, there are such things as actual segulas, but I'm not sure if a red string is one of them. Okay, but running for a segula is not always the best idea. It doesn't necessarily solve your problems, right? It's a quick, quick fix approach. I don't want to work on it. I just want it to be fixed. I want someone to take care of it for me. Okay, it's not always the way to grow. And avodazara was, was a, could come from a sincere desire for spirituality. It could also come from a sincere desire to have all of your sins justified. So it could go either way. Rashi says, Mitzade Gaver. Who's a Gever? What kind of person is called a Gever? Someone who is a Gibor in Yiras HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Someone who has awe of God. You see how it all fits together. Now you can understand like, where that would come from, right? Why that? I want to address it. It's not so late. Okay. Um... The Orachayim, the Orachayim makes a very interesting comment. Ki Hashem gever. It is from Hashem, the footsteps of a person. He says, Hashem adjusts events and the way reality plays out. That's Hashem planning the footsteps of a person. Lahotzi laor ta'alumos, to bring mysteries to light. To bring that which is hidden and mysterious into reality. So God is working behind the scenes all the time. And he is planning out and controlling the way events unfold in order that the truth, which is hidden, should slowly come to light. That's a relationship to alumos, our hidden mysteries. Isn't and the word olam means hidden. Isn't that how we tend to use Hashgacha um, Pratis? When those, when those mysteries come to light, then we, when we talk about an event, we'll say, oh, and that was If you're a deep pratis. thinker, right. If you're a deep thinker, otherwise you, you could just say Hashem was controlling it. But you're right. Like the, the underlying concept of the Hashgacha Pratis is that Hashem was, is controlling it in order for his purpose to be unfolded. Um, all right. Yitzchak trembled violently when Esav came and said, here I am, I got your food, Dad. Yitzchak realizes he gave the bracha to the wrong son. It says he was overcome, he was shaking. All right, so the Medrash says over there, because that means here he was trying to do the right thing, and he did the wrong thing. And he realized that that was not under his control. He thought he knew what he was doing, according to this approach, right? He thought he knew what he was doing, and Hashem made it come out something completely different. So over here, the Medrash Tanchuma says, there are three things which God created, doesn't mean only, but three things God created which are in the rishos of a person. So 
sort of in, in his realm, under his control. And three things which God created that are not under his control. What are the three that are under his control? The hands, the mouth, and the feet. In what way? The hands, if he wants to do the work of heaven, he can build a sukkah, he can shake a lulav, he can pick up a shofar to blow, he can put on tzitzis, he can write to fill in or mezuzos, and he can do it. Takes his hands and does it. Does he want to steal? Does he want to murder? Does he want to be a bandit and jump upon everyone who goes by? Then he could do that with his hands. These are the things that are not in this, his is, control, in his this control. is in his control. So technically, okay. this is in his control. What I'm pretty sure that what the, what the Medrash is saying is these are things with which people influence the world. The hands, the mouth, and the legs are limbs with which we influence out, we impact the world. The mouth, if he wants to learn Torah and to tell good words about people and to praise God and to daven and sing shira, he can say those things. If he wants to tell Lashon Hara and he wants to flatter people, if he wants to curse, if he wants to swear falsely, then he can say that. And what about the feet? He can go to do a mitzvah, he can visit the sick, he can comfort the mourners, he can bury the dead, he can do chesed, he can go do those things. If he wants to go do averus, he wants to be an adulterer, a murderer, a robber, he can go and do that. What are the things that are not under his control? The eyes, the ears, and the nose. What does that mean? The, the Medrash goes on to say the eyes. Let's say he's walking in the marketplace. He might see someone doing an Avera. <laughs> it doesn't say. He might see a billboard. Same idea, right? Mm -hmm. that he may see things he didn't want to see, something disgusting. He might see a person he doesn't want to see. Bloop, there it is. What can he do? His eyes saw it, whether he wanted it or not. Okay? So you could learn that certain streets have bad billboards and choose to drive on other ones. But you can't take back the fact that you happened to see it the first time. Mm -hmm. It happened, right? Mm -hmm. So the eyes, the ears, and the nose are receptive. It's the world acting on us. It's Hashem acting on us. These are not things that put out and impact the world. It's the other way around. The ears hear things. You could hear somebody swearing. You could hear something you didn't want to hear. And the nose. The a person might be walking down the street, and suddenly he smells somebody burning incense for a vodazara. He didn't want to smell such a thing. What could he do? It came in. But then the Medrash goes on to say, but you know the truth? If Hashem wants to, then also the ones that we said are in his Rishus are not in his Rishus. And it brings a bunch of examples. That's what the Even the things that we just said are in a person's control. If God wants, he can override. He's got like a master override button. So, you know, you think it's in your control, it's not. And he gives a bunch of examples, one of which is Bilam, right? Bilam wanted to stand up and curse the Jewish people. And what popped out of his mouth was brachas. It, didn't, it wasn't under his control. There's a whole bunch of examples here, mm -hmm. okay, of people who wanted to use their hands, and their hands shriveled up. They wanted to use their mouth, and other words came out of their mouth. They wanted to use their feet to go somewhere, and their feet wouldn't go there. Okay, God, God controls a person anyway. Even the feet are not entirely in a person's control, because the Pasuk says, Me Hashem yavin darko. God, a, God plans a person's footsteps, and what does a person know of the way he's going to go? A person thinks he's walking on the way, and he doesn't know where he's going to end up, if it will be for the good or for the bad for him. A person does, just doesn't know where he's ending up. Okay. Okay, we're not going to get <laughs> going as far as I know, which is okay. Um, I can stay late, 
so what I'm going to do is I'm going to work on just this bracha, and if anyone wants to stay after and talk about some of the permutations that are relevant to Rosh Hashanah, we could do that or not. Okay. Are we going to, we're having class next week? Yes, and that is a separate subject for Rosh Hashanah. That will be special, just Rosh Hashanah. Are you a little what you, because I can't stay late. Um, I could do that. Also, I could send you a recording. Okay, but it, I mean, really, it's, uh, it's not like I can do more drawing out than you can. You could also take this and apply I, it to Rosh Hashanah. I feel like okay. this is a bracha that the more you know, you know, the more you know you don't know. What is oh, it that sure. you say? Like, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I know every bracha is like that, but for some reason this one... Well, I the more you like realize that we don't have control, so then we think we did have control. But yeah, it's, it kind control. of... Uh, I don't yeah. want to say contradicts itself, but it kind of does Yes, a no, bit. That's, that is this question, which is what happens... I have free will, and you're telling me it's all about my free will, and what do I choose? And on the other hand, you're telling me I don't really have control in the end anyway. And then So if then how do you reconcile If you're going it? in the right direction, like... Physically, but then you happen to smell incense for Avodah Zarah, like you're like, what? what? Yeah, so <laughs> what happened? But what? Both those situations, both Bilam and Yitzchak, like it was all meant for the good, meaning he was about to curse the Jewish people and he made him give a bracha. And for Yitzchak, he made sure that it went, like, so I think really, like, it's in protection of us. Do you know what I mean? So even though everyone had their own intention, it was like, I think it's always like I'm still protecting it. I'll yeah, but on see. a daily basis, we have... It's on a daily basis this here. I'm thinking more of, not like for the... This is a little bit like what Elisa just said. This is Reverse Perkeavos. Everything is foreseen, and yet permission is given. Rishus, yeah. everything That's is given. <laughs> when God made the world and put man into it, he also made that man could do both good and evil. Therefore, he ordered the world in such a manner that the evil done by man would not thwart the goal of his world sovereignty. Mm. Even the evil that would be done by man would in the end prove an instrument for the good, although those who did it might never know and never have intended that this should be so. Man has been given the freedom of choice. In fact, if it were not within man's power to do evil, were sin to hold no charms for him, indeed man would not then be human at all. His virtue would be no virtue. His actions would be on a level no higher than an animal instinct. This was really last year's Rosh Hashanah topic. We talked about the importance of our ability to choose, which means we can choose wrong or choose right, and the fact that we do sometimes choose wrong, and then we come back to Hashem and we say, I chose wrong, you were right, I am sorry, I wish I hadn't done that. That is what allows us to have a meaningful hamlachas Hashem and Rosh Hashanah. That's why it's meaningful that we say, Hashem, you're the king. We want you to be the king. We want you to be recognized as the king throughout the world today. That's only meaningful because we could choose. Mm -hmm. If it were just an automatic button that you push on a person that they'll say that, then what? What? Who needs that? That's like those bizarre dictators, right? With the <laughs> they like, like pay the people and they well, say, "Oh, you're so." It's wonderful. like people who think that <laughs> they just force people to convert and yeah. And now, you, what no have you meaning, achieved? Right. right? What have you accomplished? Okay. Uh, uh, there's a weirder example. Well, let's not go to we the weird example. On. Yeah, no, no, no. We're going to wind up over here in just a minute. Okay. But how the, I think the question that I want to talk about in the last 45 seconds is how do we make anything of it? How can I take something away then that's constructive that will help me in Avodah Hashem if I'm torn between the value of what I choose and my inability to influence it? And some of it comes back to what we said near the beginning, which is the success in this world is not a sign of the goodness. So I may not have control over the outcome, 
but I have control over what I want. This is, again, this is a, a valuable area for self-introspection. That was a double, just introspection is enough. <laughs> okay, before Rosh Hashanah. Say, so what is it that I want so much? It's coming Rosh Hashanah. I'm going to be davening. Everything's going to be planned in advance. All my mitzadeh gav are going to be planned out and, de and determined for the whole coming year. And I'm going to be frantically asking God, right? What am I asking him for? And why? I can ask him for anything, and he wants to hear from me. But is there anything I can do to make my direction of my footsteps more refined? Is there some way I could get in touch with the desires and the yearnings that are, that are higher and help cultivate them and be turning away from the desires that are just so petty and not important? Not because I can ask God for anything. There's nothing too small that's not worth his attention. But what about me? Who am I? What does it say about me, the things that I want? Because ultimately, that's the only place I have control, is what do I want? I can't guarantee success. All I can guarantee is what I want and what I'm, what I'm directing myself to. Where it will go from that, I don't know. We need our mission statement for a session. It doesn't hurt. OK. There are two steps here. I apologize, I'm going to go another minute over. On Rosh Hashanah, it's written, who will live and who will die. Right? And I feel dependency, and I feel need, and I feel helplessness. That's kind of everything is under God's control, and there's nothing for me, and that's a helpless feeling. If I choose to turn to Hashem, and I say, you do for me, I have no strength of my own, that is step one of powerful Bechira. That is valuable. That saying is, what? Saying, yeah. Hashem, I have no strength of my own. Please, you take care of me. You, you're the king. You're the one with all the power. You do. That is valuable. That's taking my will and expressing it to Hashem and also saying that you're the king and I want you to be the king. That is a sincere avoda of Rosh Hashanah. There is another step, but you have to go through that first step first. You can't jump. The, the higher step is saying, not that I'm telling you my will, but that I'm listening for Hashem's will. Listening for Hashem's will means, I want to hear what you want me to do. The way Rav Hirsch puts it is, instead of saying, bless me, I'm saying, may you be blessed through me. Okay, I'll read this to you. This is Rav Hirsch's commentary. I've quoted from it before on the Haggadah. However, to say, may God be blessed through me, means that one's work is no longer his own doing. This is the reconciliation of these two. When I say, Hashem, I, please, you be blessed through me. May I be a tool, may I be a vehicle or a channel of your bracha into the world. Now I've reconciled the two. There is, there is no distinction. To say, may God be blessed through me, means that one's work is no longer his own doing. At the same time, one is not trying to gain his own ends. His status may be ever so humble. His beginnings may well be ridiculed by others but he has been assigned to his post by God, the master of heaven and earth, the king of the universe. God knows a man's strength. God's spirit animates him, and he has placed him within the particular context of his occupation so that he may perform his will there and then. Man is God's worker, and consequently he has God at his side always. 
if I am a tool for God's will, if I'm seeking to say, Hashem, what is it you want me to do? What does it say in the Torah? What's the halacha? What do you want me to do? I want to just do your will. I want to be an expression of that. Then it doesn't matter that I have no power or inadequate power because the power is his power. So there's plenty. The will, the desire for that is mine. The will is his. So I take my desire and I can turn it to his will. So that's a very, very short so <laughs> discussion of a very, very deep and profound idea. It's, it's worth reviewing that concept. Um, Can you say that again? If, um, yeah. Right. I'm a tool for Hashem's will, but it, um, but it doesn't matter that I don't have, what were you going to say? It doesn't matter that I'm really powerless. Because what am I trying to achieve? Where are my footsteps leading? It's Hashem's power anyway. So I don't have to worry about that part. That doesn't bother me. Okay, so this is expressing our will to Hashem, sharing it, step one, and listening for His will is step two, known also as tefillah and Torah. Step two is a happier place to serve God from. It's a happier place, okay? So next week in Mitzvah Hashem, you know, we, didn't, we didn't totally cover all the points here, but next week in Mitzvah Hashem we'll talk about Rosh Hashanah and dominating for Rosh Hashanah. I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> That's a good note taker. So the two steps. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. It's good to be back. It's good to see you guys. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I'm so excited. Okay, yeah. Wait, you said two steps. This reverse is, uh, is a mind-blowing. I mean, it's a life-changing passage. Yeah, I feel like all of this is. <laughs> it all is. It all is. I feel badly to rush it. Really, I should have just split it into two, but I really want to talk about Rosh Hashanah for Rosh Hashanah. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm not sure what I have To say, may God be blessed through me, means that one's work is no longer his own doing. Okay. Okay. Now, one way I have found useful to bring that alive is to think what it has meant to me when other people were messengers of God's bracha to me, where I could see that. I mean, everyone is, I guess, all the time, mm -hmm. right? But That's let's say times when I was in need mm -hmm. and there was somebody who was there who noticed, who had the right chizuk and support to give to me, mm -hmm. who just stepped forward and helped or made an offer not knowing I was in trouble, but it was just when I needed it, mm -hmm. right? Or they knew, you know, even when, when it's something more mundane, so to speak, right? You're sick, you go to the doctor, he gives you a prescription, and you take the medicine, you feel better, and you're like, thank God for the doctor, right? Who knew, who could give me the prescription. And, and there's no contradiction, meaning I am appreciative to the person mm -hmm. for wanting to help me, for taking the effort. And I'm also deeply appreciative to God, and I recognize that he use this person as his messenger to deliver his bracha to me. And then this is the aspiration to say, wait a minute, how amazing would it be if I could be that for other people? I think we don't always take that next step. And that's where Rav Hirsch is pointing us to, saying to Hashem, may you be blessed through me. Imagine if that's what my life was in this world. If man is put into this world, 
to shine the light of the divine, of godliness, through our neshama, to, to let that into the world, to declare Hashem's name into the world and make it known, to bring bracha into the world. That's what we're here for. That could actually be me. Now, I'm still asking Hashem for it, because I, I don't know what needs to be done. I don't know what, like, you know, so I'm going to follow the path. I'll listen to the Torah. I'll listen to the mitzvah. So I'll, I'll, I'll try and do what's right in each situation. And I'm saying, Hashem, please let me be the vehicle of your bracha to the world. May God be blessed through me. And when I say that, and I, I can, when I can get my heart and my mind into that space of desire for that, what I'm looking for is his will, not my will. My will is to do his will. It's an incredible thing that that is maybe just for an instant I'm looking in our reach. Well, I'm, I, my will is to do his will. My will is whatever his will is. That's a very high level. And yet we start to realize we could approach it maybe just for a moment, right? Maybe like when I'm actually going through my day, I drop something and I'm like, oh, I dropped something, right? Which now it was obviously God's will that it fell because it fell. So whose will is, uh, I'm looking at my will. I didn't want to drop it. I didn't want to have to be so inconvenienced to pick it up again, right? Like, who am I? Okay, so in real life, day to day, do I always have that idea in front of me? No, as very righteous people probably do. But to at least get a hold of the concept, to see that that's somewhere I could try to approach, to want to be the tool. And just like if I, if I use a spoon and I pick and I scoop something out, that's called that I did it with my hand. We don't attribute to the spoon the power. If I'm God's spoon, so whose power is it? It's his. So the fact that I don't have power is not a problem. In fact, it's a very comforting thing to know that this doesn't all rely on the amount of energy I have because that would be a real problem, right? Nothing will happen. Right. But if I'm not relying on that, if I'm relying on God's energy, it's God's power, it's God's will, it's God's job, then there's no problem. I'm calm. I'm happy. I just know, okay, I just got to do what Hashem wants me to do. And I will hopefully have, and, and Dauphin, that I have the merit to be a messenger of good. That's what I want. So this is like an this ultimate. What kind of life situation you're going to look at it? I think really everything, <laughs> like, so peaceful. This is um, the place where this is brought from of Hirsch is really on the word Baruch. And he's, what, he's, what he's asking there, and we mentioned this when we learned the word Baruch, like two years ago, okay, <laughs> a year and a half ago. What is he's what he's asking? He's asking how do we understand the word Baruch? In English, they'll say "Blessed is God." What does that mean? What does it mean that Hashem like? Does it mean that we're giving Him a blessing? Now, a lot of places, it's clear we're asking Him for blessing. So Rav Hirsch's approach is to say, no, no, no. What we're doing is saying Hashem is the source of all blessing. So what are we asking for? We're asking for blessing. But he says it can't mean that I'm saying, bless me, give to me. Because if so, here's how he says it, those who say bless me, can they ever find the fulfillment of their prayer? They expect that simply mouthing bless me will enable them to do all this. They will then gain the courage and strength, strength to pursue their aims. 
But will this prayer on their lips ensure that they attain what is denied to others who may be beseeching God at the same time for the opposite result? Why should this prayer succeed when thousands have failed? Hey, I'm saying give me this. First of all, is God my vending machine? Put your money in and take your price? Like, and second of all, how's that any different from any, any other you know, people worshipping whatever forces? What are they saying? They're saying give me, give me, give me, bless me. Sounds nicer when you say bless me. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. I want what I want. Why should I have it not someone else? I don't know, because I want it. Right? He says with the Jewish people, he says the Jew is saying not bless me, but be you blessed. This is how a Jew relates to God. Be you blessed. The Jew, in effect, is saying, you have entrusted the fulfillment of your will, the granting of your wishes, the promotion of your kingdom, the implementation of your work to man's free will. So it seems like an outrageous risk God is taking on us. He's saying, I'm going to leave. Who's going to declare that Hashem is king? People. Why? Because we could choose to do bad or good. So the fact that we could choose God or choose against God makes it meaningful when we choose God. When Malachim say Hashem is the Melech, like it's nice, but they don't really have an alternative. Mm-hmm. People have been known to look God directly in the face and then go worship Avodazara. Like, we could choose anything. Okay? But at the same time, he said, it is for this purpose that I am, that I exist. We are here to promote God's kingdom and to make him known to the world, to ourselves mostly. For this purpose, you have created me as a Jew. For this purpose, you have granted me as a person the energy to act, and you have revealed to me as a Jew what you wish to see carried out by us on earth. As a person, I can do the job of a human being, which is to declare God's kingdom in the world. And as a Jew, I have the Torah to tell me how to do it. Every event in nature and history that you're letting me experience, all that you allow me, whatever you deny me, is there to remind me of my mission, to revive the strength and resolve within me to fulfill it. My God, it is my wish to discharge my duty. Be blessed in all that you give me and all that you withhold from me. So then my prayer is guaranteed to be answered because I'm asking for something, but why am I asking for it? Rosh Hashanah is a good time for this. I want health. I want life. I want health for my children. I want parnasa. I want happiness. I want shalom bias. I want health and wealth and all that's good. But what's the basis? What does it mean that I'm asking for it? Am I asking, give me, bless me? Or am I saying, may you be blessed through me? Give me health so that I have energy to, to daven and I have energy to take my children to school and cook for them. Give me money so that I can buy food for my family and so that we'll have the energy and strength to do what we need to do and not be only focused on where the next meal will come from. And not be humiliated that we don't have clothes you know, or shoes. Give me shalom bias so that I know what it means to be at peace and let me... All these things that we're begging for and asking for, why are we asking for them? Are we asking for ourselves or can we, can we work on seeing what we receive as being the tools Hashem gives us to serve Him? And if that's so, then when I'm asking for them, can I remember to ask for them for that reason? And then, I, of course I'll succeed because it's... If Hashem says, no, it's better not to have it in order to serve me, then I'll serve him that way. But what I'm asking for is really to be able to do his will. May, saying to God, may you be blessed through me. He says, when you say, may God be blessed through me, it means that you have reached the goal of your desire. In the moment you're saying it, you've already reached the goal of your desire. 
Isn't that awesome? <laughs> it's, it's, it's exactly this idea of I don't have control necessarily over what I have or what I accomplish, but I have control over what I want. It's, it's something that if we repeat it to ourselves over and over, we can help ourselves move into a different kind of mind frame. Every moment, provided that one has done his share in fulfilling God's will, provided he has made use of it with the strength and gift granted to him in the service of his master, Every moment represents the summit of man's aspirations. Whether one has much or little becomes immaterial. That doesn't determine the measure of his blessing, nor even whether his exertions have been successful. Success, too, is God's, not his. As long as one can say to himself that he dedicated himself with all his might to fulfilling God's will, if to do so is his only and exclusive wish, I'm not saying we're there now, but maybe we could get there for an instant and get a taste of what that means. If to do so is his only and exclusive wish, then surely, even when God gathers you to him in the last moment of your life, he will leave you fulfilled and contented in the knowledge that you have lived not in order to receive blessing, but to give blessing. And this has found the peace and happiness one can hope to obtain. That's happiness in the world. To know that you lived to give blessing. And what you asked for was to give, not to receive. This is what Rav Hirsch calls this idea of hamechin mitzadeh gaver is the harmony of individual choice and effort married to God's guidance. It's not a question of is it one or the other. Do I have free will or is it predestined? It's that those two are together. It's I have free choice and will and effort but God's guidance, which is what takes me to where I get to with it. And I have found it very helpful. If I think in terms of what other people can be to me, because I, I can't think bigger than that. <laughs> I'm just a selfish person. So I can think about, oh, the things I want and I need. And then, but then I could take that and flip it around and say I could be that for someone else. Could be, you have other ideas, you know. The, the concept of speaking to Hashem, telling him what my will is, recognizing that we're, we're his children, we're his servants, both, and that he's the one with the power. This is very much the avoda of Rosh Hashanah. The second step of saying, I want to hear your will, I want your will to be my will. That's a little bit more the avoda of, of Yom Kippur, maybe. Please say that again. That kind of, that Hashem's will is my will. It's a very high level, but it's a it's little yeah. bit more aligned with the Avodah of Yom Kippur and the Avodah of Rosh Hashanah a little bit more with expressing to Hashem what's my will and, and accepting that he is the king and I want him to be the king. I want him to decide what to give to me and here's, here's my list. Mm -hmm. They're a little bit different, but that's because one builds and then the next one and it builds. And These are really very high levels of thinking. But at the same time, if... I mean, I, I feel like it's worthwhile to, to try and find where we could connect to them. It's not so helpful if, if we're only going to think, well, these things are for other people, not for us. If these ideas are only for other people, not for us, so then, then what do we get from it? Right? And, and the truth is, it's for all of us. These are not, this is not a bracha that's only for, like, very special people. It's meant for us, which is exciting. Yeah. I think like this by itself makes it exciting to look forward to a Rosh Hashanah and a Yom Kippur. 
So I'm like so excited. So Hashem. Yeah, Can next I week we'll just focus on Rosh Hashanah. I have like just two questions for you. Yeah. Oh, so let me just explain again. These are those three I just gave out to be useful for Rosh Hashanah. They're really from like last year. Okay. Yeah, take them. This is we 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 took them before. Last year, probably, maybe maybe even longer ago. I found that this was helpful on Rosh Hashanah, so I brought some more copies of it so that people could have it. Same thing, yeah. That you can. I don't know. I I actually had it on the table when I was davening. And it kind of went back to it, and it reminded me to stay focused. These are old ones. You probably have these. And this was this week. You took one. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Just two questions. Sure. One was, what were the five names to describe a person? Adam, Geber, and then I lost the last. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. That's okay. The lowest one was Enosh. The lowest one was Enosh. And the one above that was Ben Adam. So the question is, uh, what was between Gever and Ben Adam? Ish. Okay. Um, and then my other question was, you were talking about Yaakov and the ladder, and you were saying that Yaakov is the ladder and his head reaches Shemai? Yeah. Okay. That so his- that is not the simple shot of the Pasuk, but it is a legitimate way to read the Pasuk. I've started carrying every single time. I just just bring a bracious because you can't get through a shear without needing to look at bracious. Okay. <laughs> so great. I wish I could even do that. I wish I knew how. So like just look little at by it little. without English and just little like by little. Do it. <laughs> You'll get there. But we can learn either way. Okay. Vayachalom, and he dreamed. This is bracious. It's Parshas Vayetze, near the beginning of Vayetze. What's the uh, parak? Chavches, twenty-eight, verse twelve. Thank you. Vayachalom, and he dreamed. Vehine sulam, and behold, there was a ladder, mutsav artsa, standing on the ground, uh, towards the ground. Virosho, and his head, magia hashamayma, was reaching the shamayim, the heavens. Vehine, and behold, malachay elokim, olim viyordim bo. And behold, messengers of God were going up and coming down upon it. So the, the normal meaning of the verse, which doesn't contradict it, is the ladder was standing on the ground and the top of the ladder reached the heavens. So this ladder is the bridge. Now, you have to realize where he was. If you would read this whole chapter, you'll be struck by the emphasis on the word makom, the place. He encountered the place. Bamakom means in the place. Right? Instead of bimakom, which is in a place, ba means biha. Right? Together. Okay. Okay? Like le, I'm going. Um, is two. Is two. But la means okay. to the. It's okay. le with ha smushed together. Okay. Ba is the same thing. So it's in the place. Okay. It means that you know which place it is. It's a specific place. He encountered the place. Vayishkav bamakom hahu. He lay down to sleep in that place. Um, he got up and he said, It's true, God is in this place, and I didn't know. And then he said, How awesome is this place? It is none other than the house of God and the gateway to heaven. Wow. And he called the name of that place Beiskel. 
Okay, this place where he was sleeping was the Holy of Holies, was going to be built there. He's sleeping at the place of the Beis HaMikdash, which means this place is the place where heaven and earth touch. It's actually called kiss, heaven and earth kiss at that spot. And that's where the, the, the shefa, the influence and the blessing of God comes flowing through to the world from there. So he's sleeping in that place and he realizes there's a bridge, there's a ladder, there's a connecting. It's step by step, there are levels, but the ladder connects the earth to the heavens. This ladder is reflected in that table that you have there. Let's say the one see with the, the um, see that with the temple little map one? Oh, yes. Okay. And if you look underneath, there's four levels that represent the, the correspond to the four worlds. It's four stages of our davening. Okay. It's four parts of the Beis HaMikdash, four parts of the Avoda in the Beis HaMikdash. All of these correspond to going up and down those rungs of that ladder. It's a play, it's <laughs> davening. When you daven, you focus your mind to the Holy of Holies so that your prayers go there and from there to heaven because it's step by step. We're going to go so up and down. So when you're there, how do you, like... You don't have to be there. You can be there with your mind. Okay. It's awesome to be there. And you're thinking that it should go through that way. Yeah. A person yeah. should direct his thoughts. That's why we face the direction of Jerusalem. I know that. Yeah. It's worth stopping a second and saying, what, what am I, where am I headed? Where are my prayers going? That's where, they're, that's where I'm directing them. You're actually directing your heart. You're directing your heart so that you can visualize the prayers. The words are coming out of your mouth, and that's where they go. That is the gateway to heaven. Prayers go through the Holy of Holies. That's how they get to heaven. That's the root. So they go to Israel... And then they go up. Yeah. You know, if you send things by UPS, everything goes to Atlanta, and then it gets distributed <laughs> to wherever else it's going. That's their hub. <laughs> if you pray, everything goes through Jerusalem. <laughs> yeah, that's where your prayers go. And the, the avoda, see now, this, that's why I didn't want to take questions on this topic, because if you were here, you were here, you know. But the avoda that we do when we daven is we're taking those steps. So these steps are shown here. You, have, you say you're moving in from the Har Habayas to the Azara to the Heichal to the Kodesh HaKadashim. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the correspondence is down there, 4, 3, 2, 1, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, did I do the wrong one? No. Okay. So you start at the Temple Mount. That's the brachos. That's the physical. I look, a bracha connects the physical. Yeah, from here. I start at the bottom, it's like the outside, and I work my way up. So when I'm saying brachos, what I'm doing is I'm looking at the physical world, the physical environment, and recognizing that it's from Hashem and being grateful for it and dedicating the use of it to Him. So I can walk, and I'm dedicating my ability to walk to Him. I can see, and I'm kind of dedicating those, right? I have, I, I'm going to eat food, and I dedicate my, the, the fact that I'm eating the food is kind of dedicating to Hashem, right? So this, uh, the avoda of brachos is the dedication of the resources to Hashem. It's seeing them, noticing that Hashem has given it to us, recognizing it's from Him, thanking Him for it, dedicating. That's the avoda. That's the objective in brachos. Then I'm going to take another step. I can go beyond that. I can go to the azara. And in the Azara, that's the songs of praise. The Levium sang their songs there. That's dedicating my life to Hashem. This is a more simplified one. This chart is really the same thing as this, but much more expanded. 
Okay. We have even longer charts than this one, but this is like a medium. Wow. Okay? Because the whole world is built around this. This level is the level of the emotions. So that's why the singing, it helps to make us happier, to be grateful. It's uh, the emotional life, the nefesh, right? We dedicate our lives to him. How, how does it help us to be happier? Because you're actually meant to sing in Pesuket Dezema. It's Ashrei, it's Aziyashir, Baruch She'amar, Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. It's actually singing. Okay. Okay, and the Heichal, we move to the sanctuary. That's like you're going indoors now. So you're moving into the world of the spiritual more than the world of the physical. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you go inside the Beis HaMikdash. And, and all of these correspond to the actual tools that are in the Beis HaMikdash there. So in the Heichal, you have the menorah, you have the Shulchan, you have Mizbeach HaZahav. All these things correspond to what we do in our actual davening. You know how we say that our davening is instead of karbanos? It's mm-hmm. literally that way. It's like literally structured. Way? Like just everything. everything. The number of verses corresponds to the number of golden chains. That the kriyashma, the brachos are the menorah and the shulchan, and then finally the kriyashma is the mizbeach hazahav, and it's facing the parochas. The parochas is the brachos between Shema and Shmona Esrei. It's exactly. There's a book called Rav Shua. It's a sefer. Rav Schwab on prayer. He really details it. It's an astonishing and wondrous thing. We talked about it. There's recordings. They're free. You can just listen to them. How do you do it? SarahLittman.com. Oh, really? <laughs> I, I'm not creative funny. with the names. <laughs> no, There's an H in my name. Wait. That's all you need to know. Okay, so S-A-R-A-H-L-I-P-M-A-N.com. It's all there. Just click on Tuesday Sheer. And <laughs> Tuesday share, Tuesday and it's all yeah. we talked about all these things in quite a lot of detail. Mm-hmm. Um, so that the avoda not, is with the mind. Here. That's avoda of the mind. Here, Wait. if we look at this one, we don't have the map, but okay, this is the body because it's the physical. Mm-hmm. Right here, it's our life energy, our emotion, our energy. We dedicate that to him. And we elicit that. The tool for that is the Psuke de Zimra, the songs of praise. The tool for dedicating the body and our actions to God is brachos, mm-hmm. because they connect what's in the physical with the source and the spiritual. Right? This is all the world of nature. Then we get through to the supernatural up here, mm-hmm. and we get to the level of Bria, which is a level associated with Malachim. This is using the head. His head reached the heavens. Right? said with Yaakov, the head of the ladder is reaching the heavens. That means using your intellect, being able to say, you know what, I may really want to do this, but this isn't what I should be doing. I won't do it. Mm -hmm. Using your mind to control the body. We also use our mind for free will. Free will is up here in our mind. Mm -hmm. It's not in the cravings of our body. It's not even in our emotions. You know, that like feeling spiritual have you ever noticed that there's a lot of people out there who like to feel spiritual but don't seem to live actually more spiritual life? They live more floaty lives, mm-hmm. but they're not better. Right. Like it doesn't Absolutely. seem to change what their actions are. They're even maybe more prone to certain kinds of relationship issues. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Have you ever seen this? No. Thank goodness. You don't need to see it. Okay, <laughs> maybe to more to drugs. Yeah. Or addictions, or 
because it's they it's actually emotional. Together. It's not sorry. <laughs> they kind of almost go together. Like there's yes. So why does that go you'll together? See a certain type of people there, like you right. know, and maybe even um, think that they are more spiritual than other people, and therefore you know, and yet when you look at how does that affect their actual choices, not very well. Yeah. So why, how could that be? If they're aiming to be so spiritual, because it's not true spirituality is when you get up to the level of the intellect. The nefesh, that feeling of high and love and wonderfulness, that's, in, that's from your physical but self. But Amuna is above intellect, right? Yeah, in a way. Because Amuna will deal with more with Shema. Like Amuna really will deal with more with Shema. Say that again? Amuna will deal with more okay. when we get to Shema. Okay. But Amuna and Shema, it really is the intellect. Because emuna means I will change my life. I will live my life in accordance with that which I know to be true even when I cannot see it. And in order to do that, I need to use my mind to remember things that have happened before. I can say, I will keep Shabbos because God took us out of Egypt. Can I see God saving me this minute? Maybe not. But I can remember that I was a slave and that he took me out. And based on that, I can choose to, to, to live my life knowing that God is trustworthy and I can have faith in him. It's not, oh, I believe in God. You know, it says, <laughs> it says about Abraham, Vehemin Bashem. I don't know if I can put my finger on it so fast. I've often had trouble putting my finger on that pasuk. Okay, he has the Brisbane Habasarim. He has... He's lifted up over all the, all the constellations. God promises him. And then it says that Avraham vehem in Basham. Now, obviously it doesn't mean he believes in God. He's talking to him. I don't have to believe in Eliza. <laughs> I know you, right? right. Hemin means that if you said to me that you will pick me up, on the corner of La Brea and 3rd at noon, then I will structure my day to be standing on the corner of La Brea and 3rd at noon because I know I can trust you to fulfill what you said you would do. So I'll be there without a car, knowing that you'll come pick me up. That's Vehemi, that's Emuna. Emuna is I will structure my life to be where I need to be at the right times because I know that God will be there to pick me up. I I could rely on him. Right? That's really a use of the mind. That's a, a way of planning. That's a way of taking what you know to be true and letting it affect your actions. It's actually not in the area of feel good. The area of feel good is important. We, we have a whole section of davening on it, too, really, because we go both ways. Right? This you, is important. Feel good, you mean? Feeling good, the emotional yearning, the, the gratitude the powerful feelings of gratitude, but we all know that those things are not enough. No matter how powerful the feeling, it's not permanent. Feelings come and go because they're part of the world of nature, which is finite. It doesn't last. It's not permanent. But still is the basic. They're important. Rabbi Orlowick says your feelings, the emotional, your emotional self, that's the motor for your car. Your seichel is the steering wheel. That's so <laughs> the the, the seichel is the steering wheel. But if you don't have a motor in the car, it doesn't matter how much you turn your steering wheel, right? I mean, the, the emotions matter a lot. Yes. 
but they are not enough on their own because they can take you anywhere. I think that's why you see this thing with people who are yearning for spirituality and yet it either seems to take them nowhere really and so they end up just pursuing the feeling of spirituality. And then I find the opposite almost. I find some people have all this intellect. Yeah. My kids because they're at the dentist. And then it's called, oh. Leave them there. But, um, Ooh, maybe but you they should have get this them. intellect and they don't have the MNL that like comes with any of it. That's you know right. I mean? Yeah, no, Unless. you need both. You need yeah. all of it. Do they have any control to direct this feeling to the yes. way they are supposed to be? Um, yes, we yeah, can help with that. But the direction is really it. here. Didn't you just have like so the, they, they the direction is from yeah, it's and like this is, this path goes up and down. That's like the angels in his dream going yeah, up and down the ladder. There is a flow up, there is a flow down. Things go both directions depending on what you're working on. So even in the davening, you so go this way and then you come back out the other way. So this means in order to take control of the the feelings, you have yeah. to go through this so you can take control of this. Yeah, like really, that. you do. You do. But there's ways, for example, the davening is yeah. set up to help you with that. Mm-hmm. So we're I not up to no Psuke de Zimra yet, but one of the things we do in Psuke de Zimra is we look at the world or around us, the events of the remember? world, Did you bite the it? things Did that happen to us and the things that happen to other people, the things that happen to nations, history. And we look at that and we recognize that Hashem really is controlling it all. As opposed okay. to in Brochos, where we're looking at the tangible stuff, that. the physical world. Oh in Psuke de Zimra, we're looking at God's influence on people and their lives, on nations, on history as it evolves. We look and we see how, how the Jewish people have survived. We look and we see how, the, how when nations become rotten in their core and in their value system, eventually they disappear. They rot away completely, no matter how powerful and wealthy they are. We see that God is controlling the destiny of people. And when we see that, that arouses in us an, an emotional response. Mm-hmm. Whether we're looking at our personal lives mm-hmm. or we're looking at a more like national, international level. When we look at our lives, it's sort of like advice, right? Like if you write down, talk about, and write down the things that you're grateful to Hashem for in your life. Mm-hmm. And it will it will arouse the feelings of gratitude. Thinking about it, that's an example of using your mind to, mm-hmm. but, but the, what you're evoking is the power of the emotion. It's very important, the emotion. That's what gets you going. Yes, yes, exactly. But by itself, it's not enough. Yes. By itself, it can be out of control mm-hmm. in, in a bad way, mm-hmm. right? People yes. seeking love, seeking affection, seeking approval, seeking to feel good that doesn't necessarily lead to somewhere good. Yes. And that's why Rev Hirsch keeps emphasizing, here's how you can be happy. Here's how you can find satisfaction and fulfillment in life. It really comes, like you said, from the top down. Mm-hmm. It's from knowing that you're working from God's will and using your mind and choosing. This is the level of choosing. Choosing Hashem. Saying, I, will, I dedicate myself to you. So I have a self. I, I still see that there's me and there's God, and like I feel like we're different. I have an ego, a sense of me. But I'll give it to you. That's in Shema, right? Being willing to give up your life for God in Shema. Mm-hmm. Loving Hashem with all your heart, all your soul, all your might. It's, it's all about love. Mm-hmm. But it's a love that says, I'll, I'll just, I will 
I would give up myself for you because I love you so much and because you're right. But there's a higher level than that. When you get to Shemona Esrei, you don't feel a difference between your will and God's will. It's that same thing we were talking about. Not because our will is, is holy, but because by choosing Hashem's will, by saying, I would, I'm saying what I want is what you want. Whatever you want, that's what I want. I want to be part of that purpose. I want to help fulfill it. So then there's no distinction. There's no difference between us. You have no idea what you just did for me. Thank you so, so much. I'm so happy to see you. I really appreciate that. This is what happens every Tuesday. I love it. It's the best thing for me. I mean, really, truly. Um, We all need it. We all need it. Okay, this year, well, this one was from 34, but I probably didn't do it in depth in 34. It's in the very, very, very first few shiurim that we did, which was like February 2014. The first classes we talked about this structure and how our, our vote, what we're trying to do inside of ourselves is at each level and how the davening is the tool that's specific to that and are we using, what we're using of ourselves and where we are, all these things correspond. This is where it starts, which is like a little less overwhelming. But then we keep adding in more rows because everything corresponds to it. Mm-hmm. I okay. want to ask you yeah. when you see the question. Um, yeah. Well, okay. We, let's say you come to this recognition that, okay, this is it and this is it and it exists and you know your feeling and then you know your brain should go, should be working yeah. in this way. And you know you have to mm, connect these two together. Is there any kind of bridge that you you don't keep th- those bridges to connect them? I, I guess yeah. That's How do you get from I, one to that, the other? That I I I miss. How do you jump from one to yeah, the other? I miss this bridge. The truth is, you didn't miss any of the bridges because we haven't gotten to them yet in Shir either. We're learning about brachos, mm-hmm. so we haven't even done a transition from brachos to psuke de zimra. Okay. But the truth is, each one of these there is a transition. That moves you from here to here. Like by the time, brachos is not just a static one level. It's also, a, it leads you somewhere. So mm-hmm. when you get to the end of it, you're really ready for the beginning of Psuke de Zimra. When you get to, mm-hmm. you know, when you start, when you say this long bracha at the end, this is a long ihiratzon, mm-hmm. right? When you get to the end of this, look how it ends. Hagomel chasadim tovim la'amo Yisrael, who does good chesed for his nation Israel. That has left the area of my personal looking at the brachos, and I transitioned emotional. to something of, and then when I go to, to Pesuket de Zimra, and I'm looking at the things God does for his nation Israel. He creates the world. He has control over everything. And mm-hmm. we're praising God. And we have Az Yashir, right? That we crossed the sea. And he yeah. saved us. Yeah, Each thing leads very... It, it become, it's actually very logical, the way it works. Each piece. But it helps if you know what you're trying to do. Yeah. If you remember... Wait, I'm saying Grachos. And sometimes you stop in the middle and you're like, what was I saying? What was it? It's like, no. My, my real I, goal is I to look like at I'm what there it, is. It's the right thing to do, but I don't yeah. have enough connection to it myself. Right. I'm 
because they don't know enough about what it is. Exactly. And that's why I call it, it's time to look forward. Because when you, yeah. let's say this bracha, right? And you say, oh, gever, right, gever. That's my ability to, like, have a kind of power that comes from using my mind to direct my power, right? And God directs my path. So there's that, the harmony of individual choice. I have free will, and I'm going to use it to try and aim for God's path. That he set, the path that he's setting me on, right? And I have the security of knowing that he will support me on that path. He will be there for me. So then you look forward to saying that bracha. You want to try that out. Yeah. I want to try yeah, that right. feeling out. I want to for see sure. what is it, what happens when I say a bracha and that's in yeah. my mind? What happens when I say the word baruch and I'm thinking about all the levels of tunis and the two directions and, and it's, I'm asking God to give to me, but that's because I want to do for him. The word Baruch is a two, a twenty, a two hundred, and a twenty. It's all about two ways. That's what bracha is about. May you be blessed through me. So right. I'm asking you to give to me so I can give to you. Right. And that's why the word bracha always means an increase of more. Because if everyone's asking to keep for themselves, then it's a capitalistic world. There's one orange and there's only so many slices, right? But if I'm saying, Hashem, you give to me so I can give to you, so you can give to me so I can give to you, it's an amplifier. Bracha is an amplifier. It's also the two-ness, right? And the letter bays, which is two planes that are connected. That's what a bracha is. It's, it's a channel that connects between the physical world, the lower plane, and the spiritual world that's the source of it. That's what it is. Wow. Everything about that word so then you go and you, and you say, wait, I'm going to say a bracha. Now you look at the word baruch in your sitter and you see a base and all of a sudden you're like, right. Oh, I love what you just said. It's a, I'm sorry, I'm a very it's visual okay. person to everything Yo, yeah. you say. I have like a painting okay. already in my head. The, the, <laughs> like, Will you show it to me when you think? I'm like, I like when you said the base like that and then yeah. like I'm, fic I'm like picturing in the middle part, that ladder. I'm still a little bit stuck mm -hmm. on Yaakov. Because I'm not sure, because you're saying he is the ladder. That's, that's one way you can that's read it. That's one way of saying it. And then the... It, the reason it works is because we ourselves, down. we're using our body, we're using our emotional life, we're using our mind, we're using our soul to climb those steps. When I use my Bechira, my free will, yes. I am actually not just implementing in this world, the impact is also at a much higher level in a spiritual plane. This share, that this note, which says it's from number 34, that's what that's about. If you find class 34, it must be about Yosef, battling the bonds, that's about Yosef. Yosef teaches us, I mean, talk about someone who could use his mind to control his passion. Wow. That's Yosef, right? He's Yosef Hatzadik. And he breaks through. He becomes set free. He becomes set free as soon as he is able to get away from Mrs. Potiphar in his mind. That's it. That's the real battle, right? And it moves to the level of the spiritual all of a sudden. And this is some. It's supernatural. Being able to choose what's right over what's what you're being driven to is supernatural. Which is good because God is supporting us. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. It's so good to Thank be back. So, so <laughs> it's so good really to be back. Wonderful. Thank I'm you. Late to the dentist, but I feel okay. bad about that. No, don't. Sorry. I pretend I